Hi, I'm Anna McEwen, and this is The Epic Narrative. And now, my dad, Bob Switzer. Hey, everybody. <laughs> I, I had to do this uh, bonus episode because I'm constantly running into uh, what I consider a gross misinterpretation of Jesus in the temple when he, quote, overturns the temple, you know, the tables of the money changers and, um, you know, calls uh, calls out people and says, you've turned my father's house from a house of prayer into, you know, into a den of thieves. And a lot of people that I meet, when we when they talk about this particular area, uh, this, this particular narrative of Jesus's life, they're very connected to it because it it gives them the Jesus example of losing their mind of being angry of what whatever their excuse word is like righteous indignation of calling forth you know for more prayer and less frivolous activity in the church like there's all kinds of ways that people get wrapped up into this because it's the, it's really the only time that anyone could look at Jesus's life and say, there, see, Jesus loses his mind just like I do. I now have an excuse to be the angry, angry person. And, and frankly, because of my work within the church, I see it in so many preachers, so many preachers who say, you know, this is my excuse to be angry with the people. This is my excuse to uh, you know, to be angry with the youth, to be angry with the leaders, what, what, whatever. Oh my gosh. Okay, sorry. Clearly, this is you're hitting a button. You're hitting a button by asking me this. I literally last week got into a back and forth, a very cordial one, on a on a, an Instagram deal called Epic Christian Memes. I I like to look at memes like anybody else. I find most of them hilarious. Uh, and that particular one. They, you know, the meme was a picture of Jesus overturning the the tables at the temple, and the meme said something to the effect of, "When people tell you to be like Jesus, remind them that tossing tables and and kicking people around or something is an is an option." And I thought, "Oh, I can't, like I I couldn't." I sat on it for about, you know, half the day, and I was like, "No, I have to respond." So I did, and there were a couple people that interacted with me, and I appreciated them because they weren't. They weren't aggressive, but they were passionate about, well, this is the wrath of God. We have to have, you know, this, we have to have this horrible thing occur. Like people need to know, people need to know uh, that they can't mess with God. You know, God was, Jesus was rightfully angry because they had destroyed the house of his father. And I thought, okay, okay, okay. I got to do this bonus episode because this is, this is why I was, as you know, if you follow my podcast, I was very uh, connected to this idea of God being loving. And yet I was also incredibly aware of the fact that God doesn't act loving. And being somebody who loves theology, loves philosophy, uh, loves story, I had to start bringing this, reasoning this together. And just saying, well, that's the way God is, isn't enough. And when people look at the life of Jesus, who makes that bold claim, right? 
I am here so you get to see the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And again, people look at at Jesus in the temple and say, see, that's the God of the Old Testament. That's the one we're talking about. That's the God we like. Because, man, then we can just go crush people and kick them out because they're wrong and we're right. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah, I know. I keep I keep looking down at my little my little lights and they're like red, red, red. Calm down, Bob. Calm down. I don't know. I don't think I am. I'll let the producer figure out how to how to calm it down. My engineer's like, Bob, you're yelling. I'm not yelling. I'm emphasizing. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's it's mostly true though. So you over there, you be quiet. Okay, not all the time, but, you know, let me talk. There you go. Okay, so I'll use the, uh, the I don't even know what, this is the NIV version. And this is, uh, yeah, what book is this? I took, I took a couple photos because I can't use my computer. Not the one in Matthew. I think it's the one in Mark that's the longer one. Um, is that right? Yeah. All right. So, yeah, I think it's the one of Mark. Anyway, so this is what it says. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of the den of robbers. <laughs> See, I, re, I remember memorizing this in the King James, so I said thieves, but in the NIV, it's robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. In the book of Matthew, it's a shorter version. They all have it, but I just picked these two. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house shall be, will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. Okay. Okay. So here we go. We're going to break this down. Jesus entered, entered the temple courts. What courts were those? These were the courts where the Gentiles, the non-Jewish slash Hebrew people would gather. They followed the the messianic teachings. They followed the teachings of the rabbi, but they weren't due to religious reasons, religious law. They weren't allowed in the main temple, only only the chosen people of God, which is a whole nother issue. But be that as it may, the temple courts were available for the Gentile believers. Also within these courts, and you you can look at this in archaeology, like this is, I'm not... I'm not trying to twist anything. In the temple courts, there was there was like a some word would be bazaar, some would be called a marketplace, some would call it um, almost like a like a, 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 a it was a place to do business, but it was for the temple. It was temple uh, bought and sold things. Now, did God set that up? No, man did. Man set it up because they wanted approved um, sacrificial lambs and doves and 
and other things that they would sacrifice, right? They wanted them approved. And the Gentiles would travel, and and it was very difficult to bring a pure, un, uh, uninjured, uncut, whatever, to the temple. It needed to be, you needed to purchase it there. It's kind of like, you know, bringing, bringing food and drink into a stadium, which I don't even know if COVID will ever allow people to be in stadiums again. Well, that's not true. You can, Alabama's going to be open, so glory. Maybe NASCAR will open up too. All right, enough politics. On with the story. So, so it's kind of like that. You had to buy it there. Now, in order to buy it, because people traveled, especially this time of year when when the uh, you know it was Passover, so everybody's coming in. This is a high and holy Passover, so it is a huge market, and people are coming in in droves. So the temple area where the Gentiles would normally be taught would be expanded. There was just a lot more to sell because there were a lot more animals, cows, sheep, doves. There were just, everybody was in there and it became very crowded. In order for the temple to have equal value, they made everyone exchange the money that they brought from wherever it is they came from into a consistent uh, uh, money piece. So it was consistent weight and therefore value for the temple. They didn't want all the other stuff. So they would have money changers in this marketplace for the Gentiles to exchange their money so that they could have temple money. Now, I remember well, somewhere in there, I remember somebody saying, well, this had to do with the fact they didn't want the face of Caesar because Caesar claimed to be a god, and there's no other god but our god, so therefore, blah, 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 blah. You know, again, five minutes of research, and you know that the money that they were exchanging it for had the god of, had Hercules on it. So they weren't, it wasn't a god thing. It wasn't an idol thing. It was consistency of weight and, and value. That's what they were looking for. In order to do business in this marketplace, because it was a closed system, they had to have a license. You couldn't just show up and set up your wares. You had to have a license. If you wanted to be a money changer, if you wanted to exchange the money, you had to, you had to prove that you had access to the coin necessary and you had to sign an agreement that by law you could not charge more than 8% interest. Now, again, this is not tough research. This is easy research. I am not digging some, some crazy, uh, you know, parsip from some, some scroll that was buried in a cave somewhere. This is normal, everyday Hebrew history. At 8% interest, that was the most you could, you could charge for a coin exchange. Now, if you're in a marketplace and there's multiple coin exchangers, there's multiple money changers, they are all vying for your business. So they 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 may lower the interest rate that they charge in order to get more people to exchange their money with them. And that became the marketplace. And if you've ever been in a marketplace anywhere other than America, pretty much, you hear people yelling out their deal, right? No, no, come here, come here, come here, come here. No, 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 I, I, I don't know. I'll change it. I'll change it. I'll change it. I'll give you a better deal. I'll give you a better deal. I, I go to a pawn shop, right? I buy, uh, you know, I'll buy silver there or something like that. And he's always, there's always room for negotiation. And sometimes we walk out, sometimes we don't. It's just, 
it's just the way it goes. It there's there's this there's this awareness. It's like, well, yeah, but silver's only worth this right now today. Yeah, but I bought it at this price. I can't, you know, I can't charge you this. I'd be not make any money. Da, 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 da. You feel bad for your my family, you know, my family go hungry. And it's like, I don't think your family's gonna go hungry. I'm pretty sure you're doing well. It, it's just kind of fun. But for them, it was the culture, it was the way it went all the time. So money changers would go back and forth with people and they would upper or lower their interest rates, always trying to get a better interest rate, but they'd rather have a, a lower interest rate and have your business. It was typical marketplace stuff. They were not in cahoots with the, some sort of black market under the, under the table stealing from people. This is not the thieving that Jesus is talking about. Oh my goodness. If somebody did charge more than 8%, immediately that person would have turned them into the temple guard. That person would lose their license, be kicked out of the marketplace, and they probably would have a very difficult time finding work, at least on the money end of things, anywhere in the city because it would have been loud and clear that this person was kicked out of the temple marketplace because he cheated people. It was no small deal to lose your license. Again, I'm not making that up. It's pretty easy research. Now Jesus goes in to the temple where they're doing their, their thing. And, and he says, he drove out all who were buying. All right, drove out. Cast out. People are like, see? Look what he did. Now again, I am not trying to be rude. I'm, I am passionate. I know. I have emphasized. Yes, I know. The, my, the engineer in my head's like, Bob, you don't sound nice. Thank you so much, Bob. You've been real helpful. I am very passionate about this because I believe this particular incident, this circumstance in Jesus's life has been misinterpreted on purpose because people want God to get angry so that they have an excuse to start kicking people out of church or kicking people out of their lives or kicking society for not being Christian. I don't know. They all come up with excuses. So I'll try and stay calm. So that word cast out or throw out, it has it has two level, two equally valued interpretation. One is with violence and one is without. You see, this is where the choice comes in. The interpreter chooses if he's going to make Jesus violent or not. This is not a clear cut deal when it comes to the language. So with violence, it's ugly. Without violence, it the number one definition is to draw out with one and replace with another. All right, go back to what's going on here. In this temple area, in this temple court, hundreds of times a year, a rabbi from anywhere, sometimes from right there in the temple, sometimes visiting, sometimes walking through the city, whatever, a rabbi who wanted to bring a teaching to the Gentiles who were following Yahweh, they would shut down the marketplace and teach. People in the marketplace know about this behavior. They are not surprised. 
Usually when they see a rabbi come in, a rabbi would walk around, a teacher would walk around and say, hey guys, I'm going to do a teaching. I'm going to do a teaching. We're going to shut things down. And they would give an indication to to those that were there about how long it would be. And then those that were running these bazaars, the marketplaces, they would uh, leave. They would walk out. They could take their, their stuff with them if they wanted to and sell on the streets. It Basically, it didn't matter to the rabbi. Just get on out. So Jesus comes in and it says he, quote, casts out. Well, without violence, it means he went in and he replaced those that were there with something else, with himself. Those that did have the marketplace, he shut them down and moved them out. Not violently, at least not unless you really want him to be. And then it says he overturned the tables. There, Bob. There, Bob. I told you. I told you. He overturned the tables. You can't tell me he wasn't violent. He overturned the the, the, the money changers. He, he flipped the tables. And the benches, he kicked over the benches. Everybody died. Okay, maybe not everybody died. And what about the passage where it says he got a whip? He got a whip, Bob. He made a whip out of leather. And he, and he, and he, and he whipped people. <sighs> okay, okay. I got a lot of red marks on that one. <laughs> Sorry. The people get so incensed. They're so, they so desperately want Jesus to be angry. <laughs> it's crazy to me that that's what they're passionate about. When you can easily interpret this differently, easily, like not even stretching academically, it's easy academics. So within within the temple, the the marketplace was designed, and you can go again to archaeological archaeological photos and see it because it's it, it's still pieces of it are still around. But every every place where the person would sell, there was an archway. Within the archway would be a table. The table would, would basically went from end to end, would would cover the entire archway. So the market person would stand at the table, very similar to like a craft fair or a flea market, like in Florida or whatever. You'd stand at the table. People would walk up to the table. They, all your valuable, you know, at this point, the doves, the, the sheep, the, the cattle, uh, they would be standing behind you or... Sometimes you would you would have posts or stakes out in the main courtyard area, and your your animals would be out there. But they had to come to you as the as the seller. You would have a, a guard, you know, a, a young man or young uh, you know your servant, kind of keeping an eye on your animals. But people would walk by and be like, "Hey, what are you selling?" You'd be like, "Oh, I'm selling you know cows. Those are, uh, you know, let me show you. I got a very good cow for you. Very good, very good, very pure, very pure. You, you know, God will be very happy with you. That sort of thing would be going on. And if you sold doves, they would be stacked up usually behind you in cages, and people could see the doves, and you could pull one out and be like, Yeah, look, you know, oh, it's perfect. You're a perfect dove. It's a perfect sacrifice. You know, God will be so happy with you. You know, I, I only charge you this amount, and you'd, you'd negotiate. Uh, money changes would be the same way. You'd have your table set up. You'd have um, money out for people to see. You'd have a few examples of all the different types of money that you would you would exchange w- for them. And they would come up and say, what, what do you charge? What's your interest rate? 
Nobody expected a free pass. No one expected an even exchange rate. And then you would start your negotiation. So, sorry, I'm going back. I got to go back to scripture here because I know it's important to keep reading. So he says he overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. All right. What is going on? When the marketplace generally shut down, people would just step away from their, from their, they, you know, go under their table and step outside and wait for the rabbi to get done teaching. If the rabbi was going to teach for a long period of time, they would flip their table over so the flat end of the table was facing into the cubby, into the, the stall, and then they would leave the they would leave. Pretty much they knew they were done for the day. Now this happened throughout the year. This is not some radical concept that Jesus is bringing into the temple at this point. He's just doing what he knows he's going to do. He's he he walks in and he thinks, "All right, I'm going to be here for a while. It's only fair to those that are selling that we shut down the market. The market needs to be completely shut down." So as he's as they're emptying out the market people are leaving, they're gathering their things. Jesus does make a whip and he starts to help with the removal of all of the animals that are pretty much where he wants the Gentiles to sit or stand while he does his teaching. Was he wailing around and beating people on their way out? No. No, as a matter of fact, most animals that are trained by a whip, you actually don't need to swing it. All you have to do is show it to them. And they'll just start walking like, okay, don't want that again. And they'll just walk away. Plus, if he whipped the animals, he would he would cause bruising and or cuts, which would make them unable to be sold for sacrifice. So there's no way he's swinging this whip around. He's turning over tables. When you read that phrase, it is a non-violent phrase. He just turned them over. I can turn over a table so gently you don't even hear it hit the ground. It doesn't have to be violent. He's not doing karate kicks, sending these tables flying to the back of the stall, shattering the wood, causing the money to spew all over the planet. He turns them over. Yes, the money that was on the tables fell. Where did it fall? It fell into the stall so that the money changers could pick it up when they came back. He didn't want them to lose their money. Jesus is not in here saying, all this money belongs to the people. We need to give it out to the poor. Smash the tables. Spread the, spread the wealth. Throw the coins out into the market. And yet also, I mean, also I see people using this passage as an excuse to do that. All the rich people need to die. All their money needs to be given away. Jesus did it. Oh my gosh, no, he didn't. At least not here. If you want Jesus to do that, you're going to have to find another place. Do I think Jesus took care of the poor? Absolutely. Is it a responsibility of society to take care of it? Yes, it is. And we can get into that some other time. Because right now, I'm trying to get this story through. <laughs> As usual, 
It's taking me longer than I thought. Money changers. I've gone a lot into, you know, into what they were and what they did. It's again, it's there's nothing evil in that title. Money changers is just a, a male, a masculine noun. It just means a person whose job it was to exchange money. And like I said, legally, if they overcharged, they would be beaten, thrown in prison, and lose their license. And they'd end up destitute probably for the rest of their lives. This is not, again, I'm not trying to ruin you. I'm just trying to be honest about what happened. This is another key thing that I think is important for us to look at. At that point, he says to him, them, who is them? Who is them? If he just got done, if if we're talking about what most people want this, have, have taught this to be or have been taught that this is, who's left in this marketplace? We got Jesus running around with a whip flailing on men, women, and children, kicking and beating uh, money changers, smashing tables, throwing money out onto the streets. He's red-faced. I mean, I've seen these photos. Oh, my, uh, not photos, these pictures. Google it. Trust me. Google Jesus in the temple artwork. Holy smokes, there's not one of them where he's not freaking losing his mind. It's unbelievable the, the 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 internal pictures that people have of Jesus. Women cowering in the corner. Children being dropped on the ground while women run away because Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is, you know, running through red-eyed, whip-whacking whip, whip anything that moved. So the next verse, oh my gosh, the next verse, he says to them, who the heck is left in this place after Jesus is done doing what many people think he did? Nobody. So why, what, what, what's the deal? Who's he talking to? His disciples? He could have done that out at the Mount of Olives. He didn't need to whip and kill. Whoa, well, the money changer, Bob, the money changer, he, read what he says there, Bob. Read, read what he says. He says, he says, uh, read, read it. Oh, oh, I will. I will. Here, let me pull that up again and I'll quote it for you. I'll quote it for you. He said to them, my house will be called the house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Who is he talking to again? The money changers. No, 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 no. You just got Jesus beating the tar out of them with a whip and kicking them out of the temple. So why would he still be talking to them? Oh, yes, oh, yes, Bob, you do have a small point, just a small point in that case, but this is, this is, uh, this is, uh, this is important. We, we need Jesus to get angry. Why? Why? This is, this is my, my interpretation of these words if I look at nonviolent translations of these words. Jesus walks into the temple. He he lets the marketplace know, listen, I'm going to shut things down. I'm going to do some teaching to the Gentiles about my father. 
or God or Yahweh, whatever, whatever he said. And they're like, oh, okay, time to get out. So they start leaving. He's like, no, 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 I'm going to be here a while. Let me help you get your cattle out, your sheep, your goats. Let me, let me help you do that. And yeah, we're just going to, we're going to turn over the tables, the money changers. Oh, those guys are already gone. All right, well, flip, flip the table inward so that, you know, the money goes into their stalls because we don't want to, we don't ruin that. And the, those who are selling doves, again, the benches, right? Why was it benches? Because dove sellers didn't have a full table. Usually they just would sit with the doves, usually petting them on their arms or with a little rope so people could come and see how pretty the little birds were, little children, etc., coming up. Oh, look at the birdie, mommy. Yeah, let's buy it and give it to God. Whatever. Uh, so he turns over their benches toward the in, inward part of the stall. Everything's cool. Everything's calm. People are like, oh, good. Gentiles are excited. Oh, good. The Rabbi Yeshua is here to teach us. This is awesome. I've heard about him. He heals the sick. He makes the blind to see. This is amazing. He, he helps the lame to walk. Wow, I was hoping to meet him. Wow, I was hoping to see him. I didn't know he'd be here today. This is exciting. And as the marketplace empties, the courtyard fills with Gentiles who want to hear the teachings of Yahshua, the teacher, the respected rabbi. Amongst the people, anyways, he's respected. I know the, the Pharisees did it, and then later on in the story, it makes it really clear. They get really upset. At what? At the fact that all the people are listening to Jesus. If he behaved the way most preachers and teachers and manipulators want you to be believe he behaved, then there's no one left in this courtyard for him to talk to. So he says to them, it is written, it is said that my house will be a house of prayer. You've turned it into a den of thieves. What is he talking about? He's like, watch what I just did. In order for you to hear from God, you don't need anything that's in this marketplace. We shut the whole marketplace down as a huge physical illustration that what they're selling you robs from you the opportunity to be in relationship with my father. That's what he's talking about when he talks about the thieves, not the money changers who are under a strict code of law to only charge a certain amount per exchange or they would go to prison and lose their jobs. He's talking about the religious system that he literally just shut down and moved out gently. And he's speaking to all the Gentiles that are there who are desperate to buy the perfect sacrifice in order to be right with Yahshua because they weren't the chosen people of God. The Jews were, the Hebrew was. So so they're, they're even more performance-oriented and, and the religious system took advantage of that. And Jesus is telling them, listen, my house is a house of prayer. And you guys. And I, who's he talking to? He's talking to the people that are standing there. The temple guard, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. They're also mentioned in this story. As we go on, sorry, I'm opening up my scripture again. He said, but, but you're making it into a den of robbers. You're stealing from, from my people, the people that God loves. 
You're stealing from them and creating a system in which they're robbed of relationship with my father. Then what did he do? The blind and the lame came to the temple and he healed them. Another one. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful, wonderful things he did, and the children shouting, where? In the temple courts. You mean the temple courts that you think Jesus just literally whipped women and children out of? Yeah, yeah. What are they doing? The children are running around the courts singing, Hosanna to the son of David. Well, now the teachers, where were the teachers? Well, they were listening. Why? Because their, their job is to make sure what's taught is in alignment with the temple. And they were indignant because, oh, Jesus is getting all this positive attention. And then it continues about their, in, you know, the, the rest of the story is really about them and the fact that they kicked Jesus out. And I think he went to Beth, Bethany or something after that. But oh, the main part, I think I'm done. I think I'm done. <laughs> I think I'm done. The engineer's like, what? You're going to end the story? Yeah, I do. I think we just need to end it here. This is like, I don't know, 30 minutes long. It's long enough. I think you get my point. I don't think Jesus was was angry at the temple. I think the none of the language points to that. None of the culture points to that. Any any Jewish person, any rabbi listening to the story of Jesus in the temple would have never interpreted the words that were used to mean that Jesus got angry and kicked everyone out. They would have said, oh, Yeshua did some teaching, just like I have, just like Rabbi over there did. Yes, yeah, we all have done this. We teach the Gentiles what we've learned in temple. It's, it's not hard work to interpret this without violence. Unless you really want Jesus to be violent, unless you really need an opportunity to manipulate and give excuse for your behavior, then I guess you do need him to be violent. And that's uh, that's between you and Holy Spirit. All right? Oh, Bob, that's so manipulative. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> the engineer's like, wait, you just did what you just accused them not to, told them not. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry. That wasn't meant to be manipulative. It is a choice you get to make. And and I'm not here to tell you you're right or wrong. I'm just, I'm, I just hopefully told you passionately what I believe to be true. Because I believe Jesus was a representation of a loving God. And I don't think he got angry and beat people and whipped them. And then, and then invited them back in to be healed. Like that's, like if that if that isn't inconsistent, right? I'm gonna beat you, kick you out, and then invite you back, and I'll heal your wounds because I love you. And as a loving God, I needed to show you, hmm, you know what it's what it's like to be in pain, so I can show you what it's like to be healed. Like you can't. That's a that's a religious philosophy that I I don't want to take the time to go into today because now we're at 35 minutes and I really thought I could do this in 20. All right. Have a great day, everyone. Don't forget to check out my podcast, The Epic Narrative. It's on. New ones drop every Monday. We are we are excited by them. Check out my Bob Thoughts page uh, on Facebook with all kinds of little do diddlies like this. Only, only they're shorter, usually five to 10 minutes long. 
and feel free to email me, thebobswitzer at gmail.com. Have yourself a great day, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to this podcast on any platform you use. You can also reach out to Bob for questions or booking at thebobswitzer.com or email him at thebobswitzer at gmail.com. See you next week, guys.